one of my cousins, she was in a meeting once and somebody says, you're always rocking the boat. She said, yes, because I can swim. (laughs) And (laughs) when she told me that story, I was just like, yeah, I want to be like that. I like that because I can swim. Well, my friends, in this week's podcast episode, I got to interview someone very special and special, not just because of who she is and how much she has accomplished in her life, but special because she and I are both named Bronwyn. People, I am beside myself with joy to introduce you to the marvelous Ms. Bronwyn Morgan. Bronwyn is the founder and CEO of the tech startup ZioAir, which is an AI-based drones-on-demand platform for mission management, connecting B2B clients in insurance, telecom, and catastrophic response and beyond with a crew of Part 107 drone pilots. She is also the founder of Airversity Drone Academy and Consulting, a training school for both Part 107 prep and drone flight, as well as private and public safety consulting. Bronwyn is also the founder of Black Women in STEAM, an organization dedicated to galvanizing the efforts of Black women in STEAM fields. And in case you're like, wait, I thought it was STEM. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math. Bronwyn has over 20 years of senior level management experience in sales, strategic planning, national product and consumer marketing, innovation, large team management, emerging tech, corporate innovation, IP commercialization, and biz dev with global companies on projects in Asia, Europe, South America, and has worked for companies like PG&E, Coca-Cola, and with major labels and studios in the entertainment industry, as well as Silicon Valley. This woman is a force of nature, and I wanted to talk to her about her backstory, and I am so glad I did. Never in a million years could I have anticipated where our conversation took us, because as you will see, despite Bronwyn's very engineering-heavy current life, you will see that she and I ended up in a very spiritual place because apparently being into spirituality and meditation is very on brand for us Bronwyns. So get comfy or put a leash on that dog, lace up your sneaks and listen in on my conversation with Bronwyn Morgan. What I kept thinking as I was watching you and all that you're up to is what's your story? How did you get interested like, take me all the way back to when you were little, yeah. Bronwyn. Like, what? Yeah. Did you always know you wanted to get into this space? Yeah, I did. But it didn't start off that way. I was a little girl grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois. My dad, I was an only child. So me I have too. A, a little, are you really? Oh, my God. Parallel love. <laughs> this is getting spooky now. And I had an older sister from, you know, one of a previous marriage of his. But it was just us, you know, at the house. I was like a dad girl. So he would take me and we would go to everything from watching airplanes to teaching me about ships and all like the kind of stuff that would traditionally have been boy stuff. And once I really got this fascination with aircraft, yeah. and I was like, I want to be a pilot. And I wanted to be a fighter pilot, but women couldn't fly fighters when I left high school because I wanted to go to the, to the Air Force Academy. Wow. And I could have flown other stuff, but I wanted to fly fighters and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I'll just go on to college and get a degree in aerospace engineering, work Mm -hmm. for the, you know, JPL, Jet Propulsion Lab, and I'll just Mm -hmm. become an astronaut with NASA. (laughs) None of that actually happened. I'll I'll just become an astronaut. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So 
I actually did go to college. I went a different route into business and did that for many, many years working for uh, large Fortune 500 companies. But I always found myself at the end of my time at these companies in innovation of some sort or working on projects that had a, you know, an R&D stream to it. Mm-hmm. And when I left corporate, I really started to focus on innovation. I actually ran another company of mine before our, everything crashed in 08, 09. But mm-hmm. um, I remember that. Yes. But went back to work in mm-hmm. Southern California, actually, in entertainment, but also had some innovation attached to it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, found myself as uh, associate director of entrepreneurship and innovation at one of the big universities in Georgia. Wow. And then I became an innovation consultant. And so I was working on all this upstream technology and working with Fortune 500 companies and helping mm-hmm. them with future-proofing strategies. Like, mm-hmm. what, you sh- what should you, you should be thinking about? Yeah. And when drones came up as a civilian commercial opportunity, mm-hmm. I was like, this is my chance. Yeah. So I studied, got my FA drone pilot certification and start working on my business models. And here I am with two companies oh in this God. space now. So it has been a journey to get back to something that I've always loved. What a trip that the seeds of that desire were there from the beginning. But just to go back a little bit, you know, you're sort of casually talking about being in the business side and then on in this sort of the R&D bleeding edge side of things. I mean, I've got to imagine when I think back to like the people that were, you know, any kind of engineering major in college, it was male dominated and not just male dominated white male dominated. What was it like? I'm assuming that you were one of the few women in those programs. And even in those, once you got into the business world, you were still probably one of the few women in those conversations, or were you not? And let me clarify, I attended the University of Illinois. I did not leave with a degree in engineering. I wound up leaving uh, in business and communications. You know, I had taken, you know, quite a bit of science. So my career really took off in sales, strategy, marketing. Mm. But like I said, it always wound up in R&D and innovation. But even still, in uh, major blue chip companies, Mm -hmm. there is some diversity, but you're usually one of few, especially when it comes to women of color, that have been a part of conversations. Like, you know, I'm being the first this and the first that. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, you know, in this day and age, I'm the first to do this. I'm the first black female intern ever. I'm the first manager in this. And it's like, that's really, really interesting because we're talking late 80s through the mm-hmm. 90s. Um, and some days it floors you. And as I got into in this space and in, in mm-hmm. aviation and aerospace and innovation, mm-hmm. yeah, this is primarily a very male dominated field. Yeah. Innovation of any kind as it relates to science and, and advanced mm-hmm. technology. And, you know, I think we're starting to see some of that change and, but it is, you, you are one of few. Yeah. And when you think about, I think we all have our war stories of functioning in male dominant, because I spent the first half of my career in tech on the public mm. relations side, the clients were almost always men, always. Yeah. And I think we all have our war stories of when we felt dismissed or when we had to really work to make ourselves heard. Do you think being kind of a dad girl and being in his world for so long became sort of a competitive advantage for you that you could hang and not be intimidated? Wrong one that nails it. It's so weird for me to say that name. I know, Bronwyn, it's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what am I saying? I'm talking to myself. But uh, yeah, I mean, my dad instilled in me when I was very young 
I remember this very distinct conversation. I don't know, maybe I was six, seven, eight, I don't know. And he said, you know, you can be anything you want, anything. And when you're a kid and you hear those things, it sticks with you. And so even though there were situations where I've been intimidated, I never felt like I couldn't hang. And, you know, I found that in these very male dominated industries, oftentimes I get along very well. Yeah. Granted, you know, you've got issues of being a woman and a woman of color, but, you know, I'm able to kind of hang with the boys, if you will, and be just fine with it. I have a lot of circles of men who are very well trained in, in certain aspects. And I come in there, especially some of them that are, you know, aircraft pilots or commercial pilots and military. And I come in there talking about my drones and we just laugh because I'm like, yeah, how was it today? <laughs> I'm like, and they were just like, they're talking about, you know, what, what's been going on with them. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I got up to 400 feet. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, we were at 36,000 feet. Oh um, my God, that's amazing. It's just, but it's funny to ha- you know have those conversations, but to also be mentored in a lot of those. But I also have that from women. Not as many, but, you know, women who are in these spaces who are doing, as I always say, hard things. And to come across that level of skill, and I, mm-hmm. I can imagine what my peers have been through, when, females that is, to be mentored by people who, just have, you know, years of experience in an area that maybe I don't mm-hmm. is a great thing. But yeah, I think my dad got me comfortable with hanging with the boys. Yeah, I love that. I love that. When you think just thinking of mentorship and coming as far as you've come and doing what you've done, what do you think is the best sort of, because I'm a communication coach, because I'm, I'm always thinking about leadership through the lens of executive presence yeah. and how we show up. When you think about your own communication style or how you've learned to take up space in a room, which it sounds like you were groomed from a young age to take up space and not apologize for it from your dad. But what's the best advice you've ever gotten about communicating and having executive presence? And is there a story there? You know, I've had my days and early on in my career where, you know, you don't want to make mistakes. And I came up during a time when there was a real respect for elders and those that went before you mm-hmm. and you you know you knew your place especially yeah. as a kid and so i think that just gets ingrained in you but over time just being coached by people who wanted to put me in more sophisticated roles or bigger roles and they would say hey i want you to start doing this i've noticed this mm-hmm. and i want you to start doing these things and i'm like wow okay and some things are happening at a very unconscious level yeah and yeah you're not realizing that you're doing this stuff and i'm like okay and then over time i think you just get more comfortable with self yeah and you are more outspoken more opinionated That's and cool. one of my cousins bless her heart she's no longer with us but she was in a meeting once and somebody says, you're always rocking the boat. And she said, yes, yeah, because I can swim. <laughs> and <laughs> when she told me that story, I was just like, yeah, I want to be like that. Oh, my um, God. You know, she took nothing off of anybody. And she was, you know, very well-spoken woman, extremely well-educated woman. And she was involved in a lot of organizations. And if she was on your board or involved, just you knew you were going to get all of her, the best of her, but yeah. she was also never going to hold back. Yeah. And she used to rock the boat because she's like, I just don't like things moving in a way that is not productive. That's right. And she wouldn't mix words or sugarcoat it. And then somebody said that to her. And I was like, I like that because I can swim. So I have never, learn how to swim. I have never heard that before. That is such a good one. So when you think about your younger self and some of the growth that you had to do to become the executive that you are now to become, I mean, you're such an ambitious, accomplished person. Like 
you have these companies, you have a podcast, you're so active from an outsider's perspective, Bronwyn, you're nailing it. And so when you think about your younger self, what was the big obstacle you had to overcome, whether it was like an internal block or an external block? I have been the consummate extrovert, but I'm an only child. So there's a part of me that's very private and I'm a very odd combination of extrovert and introvert. Mm. And I love, you know, I'll turn it on and then I need to turn it off. Oh my God, Bronwyn, same. Yeah. And especially, I think as I've gotten older too, it's just like, okay, I've done enough on today. I gotta take it down. But I think it's just the self-confidence that Somebody like me showing up in a space, do I belong here? You know, yeah. I think so. part of the imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. Do I know enough? All of that. Is it okay to say what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think it takes time to get past that. And even still, you know, it's a, a, you know, a bit more calculated now, but yeah, I respect not knowing something and, and being able to ask a question and get yeah. coached on it. And I'm older now, so I can work my way through a situation if I don't know something and and not let on like, okay, that was really crazy. When you think about your like confronting that imposter syndrome, because the only people that I know that I've met that don't have imposter syndrome are the people who are borderline narcissists. You know what I mean? Like most of us, I think, really do meet that vulnerability and have to walk through that self-imposed imposter syndrome problem, but we all have our different ways of dealing with it. Was there anything that you would always say to yourself before you'd go into these big meetings or big moments that would help you? If you were going to coach someone else who's like a mini version of you 20 years ago, what would you say to them? You've got to pioneer your way through. Trust me, the majority of the people in this room, they don't know either. (laughs) A lot of them are good at BSing their way through it, or they have a profile that people automatically give them credit but they don't know either, but it's okay for you to go into a situation and pioneer your way through and look for allies, you know, in the room, but be clear and specific and know what you want to get out of pretty much any situation that you're walking yourself into, but most importantly, be yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, it's funny. I do notice, and I'm just writing this down because I just love these little tenants are just such gold, but you Mm. said, know what you want out of a situation. And I find that a lot of people I coach, especially younger people, especially women, often don't know what they want out of a conversation or a meeting. All they know is they don't want to screw up or they don't want to look stupid or they don't want to. And they're so invested in the perception personal brand side of it. And I don't mean that in a flippant way. I mean that they just really want to do a good job and they care about what people think that they overlook the very basic work of literally, what am I trying to get out of this? What does success look like for me in this meeting? Practically, Right. right? Right. Have you always been disciplined about thinking that way? I learned that early in my career. I worked at Procter & Gamble as an intern for two summers before they hired me full time especially being in sales, it was as a part of the training. And you've got to know what you're asking for before you go in the door. And then you structure the conversation and the strategy to not only get there for yourself, but you're also helping your customer, you know, solve a problem. And so anybody that you're going into, even like now when we do meetings as a team, I'm like, who's doing the brief? Who are we talking to? What do we want out of it? What's the objective? What are the barriers? How are we going to solve them? And it also alleviates the ongoing babbling. Yes. Because I'll have people that even, they'll ask me for a meeting. And I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, I'll take a meeting. And 
as we're 10 minutes in, I'm like, I have no idea where this is going. Are you selling me something? Are you just wanting to get to know me? You didn't set it up in the beginning for me to be clear. Are you asking me for something? And oh, it's um, the worst. You're so right. I just I'm lost in a bunch of a sea of words. And I'm finding lately, it appears that a lot of people who are engaging first, I'll address on the customer side, just don't know how to sell. And I've hung up with a couple of different companies and me and my team, I'm like, well, what did you take away from it? I'm like, what are they selling? I still don't know. (gasps) And I'm like, what are we supposed to do? And then we'll have a follow up meeting. And I'm like, I still don't understand what you're selling. Oh, my Um, God. And I see that happening a lot. And I just think it's you know, people just haven't been trained on yeah. that. Yeah. And they spend so much time also transmitting. Yes. They're not listening. That's it. That's it. It's so funny that you use that word transmitting, Bronwyn, because I work with a lot of people that they have that problem where they're so used to broadcasting signals. They're not receiving any data back. It's just a blasting of spray and pray strategy to communicating. Do you think it's getting worse, Bronwyn? Do you think it's something that's, what do you think is behind that? Well, I think a lot of people are put in roles that they're not trained to execute. And it's fine having just a conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. But if your goal in that at the end is to achieve something, Mm -hmm. you just have to be clear about that. So the person understands what it is you want. Because people don't have a lot of time. Yeah. And I think to your point earlier, everybody's just so busy. I just let me just get it all out, get it all out. Yeah. And then you have no connection with the person that you're talking to, who you're talking to. Yeah. You know anything about them, what they want, if they even have time. I hope you still have time for our conversation today. Yeah. When it's time, I'm like, we're right up here at our time. I don't want to abuse your time. Happy to reschedule. And they might say, oh, no, I've got another 15 minutes or thank you so much. Yes. People respect that. And then they don't mind talking to you again. But a lot of it's just, I think it's a lack of training and understanding how to engage. I think that's really, really right. And I think Mm -hmm. also, I feel like that this just could be my old lady get off of my lawn side talking, but (laughs) I do wonder about social media where it's such a broadcast medium and we're all just all about self-expression and it's sort of de-emphasizing one of the critical pieces, which is the listening, which is the tuning into the vibes of the, whether it's virtual or in person, you can still pick up on the vibes of a conversation. Absolutely. And know when people are engaged or not engaged and being willing to shift strategies. So I think that's interesting. Well, so you when, it. Yeah. Thank, well, why? Thank you. So <laughs> when you talk to other entrepreneurs out there, specifically women entrepreneurs, What is the best advice you can give someone, especially right now, because there was such a great resignation that is currently happening. People are quitting their jobs and moving their careers and saying goodbye. What advice do you have for people that are considering going out on their own and doing something completely different? Get really clear about what it is you want to do and like doing it. Yeah. Uh, not just because there's a money chase. Yeah. Uh, maybe your money chase is a side hustle, mm. but like what it is that you're doing mm-hmm. and understand what it is that you're doing and be clear about it. And the second part of that is you've got to have the tenacity mm-hmm. to stick with it. Because yeah. entrepreneurship is hard. It is It's hard. not sexy. And it's lonely um, sometimes, right? Oh my, very lonely. Yeah. And you've got to be able to be extremely self-motivated I wake up and it's go time. Mm 
Yeah. And I have a very regimented routine, just like when I worked in corporate. And, you know, there are days when I'm like, yeah, it might be 15 minutes, you know, maybe 15 minutes, one side or the other. Yeah. And and getting going. But I'm very dedicated whether I'm working at home or in my office and I'm at my desk. My meetings are scheduled. My notebook of all my to do's, everything on the phone, you know, all of those laptops, more than one. Yeah. And everything is is moving forward. But you've got to stick with it because there will be times when there is no money. When you're trying to raise money, you're trying to build your customer base, you're trying to attract people to come work with you on your team. And there's just days when you just say, you know what, this was a bad idea. It was fun (laughs) while it lasted. I'm done. Yeah. And you just have to remind yourself like, yeah, but I really want this to work. And I've invested a lot of time. And you do have to know at some point when you've had enough, but you got to keep pushing because just when you think that's it, there's opportunity that's just coming right around the corner. Especially if you're doing it in a pandemic. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, I know. It's incredibly true. And when I think about how much you've got going on, how do you structure your day? Just out of curiosity, like I'm the same as you. I am only child, which means I burn bright and then I have to recover and there's, I have to build recovery time into my day. What are your rituals like, Bronwyn? Let's have a little ritual conversation. No, I love that. I also teach meditation. I have another company. Are you kidding Um, me? mm -hmm. I've been teaching for a long time. And that training has provided me with the Zen, if you will, to do my mindfulness Mm -hmm. on a moment by moment basis. And I say Mm -hmm. do mindfulness, but be mindful rather. And so in the morning I get up and, you know, I I have my mindful moments to myself Mm -hmm. and I like to get my tea or my hot chocolate or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I start into the morning and I mm-hmm. get up and get the email going. And because I've got some elder family members here that I, you know, I start to look after in the morning, just make sure everybody's getting where they need to be before, you know, caretakers get here and everything, wow. everything gets to moving. And I'm just very structured. The calendar every day, you got your meetings, you got mm-hmm. the work, it's not Focus just the meeting, you got to go do the work. Yeah. And if I miss something, I have to move it to either another day or later in the day. It doesn't get forgotten. I just have to move it. And I usually wrap up. Sometimes it might be six. Sometimes it might be eight. It just depends on what I've got going on. And then mm-hmm. might make dinner or order dinner. Uber Eats is awesome. Thank and God for Uber Eats. Shortly thereafter, I'm in the bed. I'm doing my social media, having fun on TikTok, watching all that stuff. Yep. And then after that, I'm asleep. I don't stay up late. I'm in the bed fairly early, but. Because you, you know, leave it all on the dedication. dance floor during the day. By the time you're do. done, you're done. And it's, you know, I do this uh, on the weekends too. I work when I still have work to do. Yep. Saturdays and Sundays are not always days off. You know, I try to yeah. take some time to run errands yeah. and do things, but it's, it's I'm all right in. here. It's it, all it, you're, in. You got to be all in. So how did you get into meditation though? What's the story wow. there? Well, you'll appreciate this. Oh. I was in Northern California. <laughs> and one of my favorite places on the planet in 1994. And uh-huh. one of my good girlfriends and I had come out for, I think it was a 4th of July weekend. And she'd never been to San Francisco. I said, oh, let me take you and show you around. And we went down to my favorite spot, which is Carmel. Love that place. And there's a little bookstore there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going through a fairly turbulent time at work. I mean, mm-hmm. just an insane boss and just a really rough time. Yeah. And I had met a woman who is a spiritualist, Ayanla Van Zandt. You probably heard oh of Oh my God, I live for Ayanla mm-hmm. Van Zandt. I saw her yes. speak and she's one of the greatest speakers she's I can awesome. think of. She's awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. And she 
really, she came to speak uh, at our company as a part mm-hmm. of a women's retreat. Mm-hmm. And she just really sparked this energy in me. Mm-hmm. And back to Northern Cal, we were down mm-hmm. in Carmel and there's a bookstore there that's very incredibly spiritual. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's there anymore. But we went down to the beach just to kind of hang out. And I had an incredible experience it was truly a conversation with God. I was by myself on the beach and I thought, am I, am I having a nervous breakdown? Whatever that is. My grandma yeah. used to say that. I was like, I don't even know what that is, but am I, know, I having one? I still don't know what that means, but I don't know what it, I think I've had them though. I'm, I, know, I think I've had more than one. I'm sure I've had They're a rite of passage. <laughs> I'm, I don't know what they are, but I'm pretty sure I've had them. And I was like, am I losing my mind? Cause I literally had a, an astral experience, an out-of-body experience, a a very real and visceral experience to the point that after I was so overcome by it and just, for lack of a better word, freaked out. And my girlfriend and I reconnected and we, she was like, how was your time down there? And she was like, oh my God. And it changed my life, this experience I had. And I won't go into all the details. If you go to blissinme.com, you'll see the story there. But, um, I literally, literally interacted with other beings. Wow. Um, And there was a message that was left at the end. And the message from this galactic voice said, I've got a lot of things I want you to do. The only thing I ask you to do is believe. Can you do that? And I said, yes. And my life has never been the same since. I grew up Christian, you know, religious, if you, I mean, not religious, like, you know, every day, but I grew up in a religious household, but my life changed more from a religious focus to one that was definitely much more spiritual. Mm -hmm. And many years later, Bliss in Me Meditation was born and I've gotten a chance to talk and work uh, with uh, Deepak Chopra. I've had a chance to meet all these people like Dr. Dyer before he passed away, just a great inspiration for me. And I've taught at tea shops, coffee shops, churches, corporations. I still teach to this day. I don't have a lot of time. I've committed to my community. Uh, I'll be doing them once a month. Wow. Uh, we did a New Year's Winter Solstice one. And I, I always had no my- idea. Yeah. Broadway, I had no I'm telling idea. you, you need something. I got it in my bag. I can't tell me- even <laughs> with you. That is okay. Um, so actually, but yeah. go back to the moment when you had that experience. And I have a similar ish story that I want to run by you too, but how did that change the way you lit? Like when you said it changed your trajectory of your life. Like I know with these experiences, people think it's like first this happened and then that happened, but it's more like a million little things happened coming out of that. But if you could characterize how your life changed after that moment, what would you say? I started to believe more and my spiritual senses, if you will, became more acute. I started meeting people and being exposed to things that I, I can't call it a coincidence. It, yeah, it, I don't really believe perfect. in those. Yeah. And I, I have had so much affirmation in this physical world of what happened to me down to the letter to the point where I'm like, how is that possible? That is so incredibly specific that that happened in that experience, this can't be a joke. And people seeing ours around me, just, just very interesting experiences since then. And I must say that 
while my life took a more spiritual path, it definitely got more challenging in terms yeah. I made a lot of different choices to leave corporate and yeah. went through a lot of loss, gain. And I've learned, as Yonlin says, to trust the process. Amen. And, you know, it's like I've been deep into the valleys and, you know, I've, I'm reaching mountaintops and I just have a different perspective about the ebb and flow of, of what we consider reality and, and the, how fragile and precious this human life is. And how it's all just really unfolding here and now, you know, there's it no really point is. in being too far. So my version of that is, I wasn't 94 for me. It was more like 99, I want to say, mm-hmm. but I was at a crossroads and in my career, I was kind of burnt out and not knowing what to do or where to go. And I was like, do I go to graduate school? Do I move to New York? Do I move to DC? And it was right, right after kind of 9-11 happened, actually. So it was it was 2001 now that I think of it. And I had a dream, Bronwyn, where I was in a room. And when I opened my eyes, there was all this writing on this wall, this very tall wall, and it was cursive handwriting. And I looked at the writing, I was like, God, what is this? And as I looked closer, it was like some divine hand had been writing down everything I ever did. And it was loving. Wow. It was so non-judgmental. It was like somebody was really oh. proud and documenting my life journey in this loving cursive hand. And I, in my dream, I was so overwhelmed with the thought that some kind, large being other than me was actually noticing me in my tiny yeah. little human life. And my heart just swelled. And the one phrase in the wall that I remembered when I woke up was the phrase that was written it that said, don't go anywhere. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. So I was like, well, I'm not going to DC. I'm not going to New York. I'm going to stay in San Francisco. And three months later, I met the man who had become my husband. I went off on my own, started my own business a year later. That's when Bronwyn Communications started. And it was one of those things. It was like this absolutely transcendent, life-changing thing that little things started happening as a result of. It wasn't like, Mm -hmm. boom, and then I was discovered by an agent and became an Mm Oscar-winning actress. Right. And I think that's what's so great about being in contact with, I think, something bigger than ourselves is that it it shifts your mindset, which then shifts the little choices you make. It shifts your entire experience because, you know, Wherever the mind goes, the body follows. And Buddha said it, you know, Mm. your mind and your thinking creates your your life and your experience. And earlier today, I was just, I was out, I don't know, shopping, I think. Mm -hmm. And that really just kind of hit me for a minute in that once you start to practice meditation and you Mm -hmm. study, it's always with you. I mean, all all the time. And that mindfulness, you always mm-hmm. have an opportunity to bring yourself back to the present moment, to the now yeah. and being in your awareness. Mm-hmm. And I have met some of the most amazing people through this work <sighs> and it does enhance everything that mm-hmm. I do. At the end of the day, it also helps me calm myself on my own crap. Yeah. You know, my own ego, my mm-hmm. own failings, because mm-hmm. it's so easy to get caught up, you know, in the ego of it all and and. Yeah. and this and it's like, really? It probably helps you with focus too. I mean, you've got so many different mm-hmm. irons in the fire. That mindfulness allows you to switch the channel when you need to. I'm so glad we got to finally connect. I've been kind of like 
dancing around watching you in action like someday I'm gonna have run then I'm like no no no, it's now so I thank you so much and thank you you're the best all right right, take care bye man I loved that conversation if you want to check out Bronwyn's meditation slash sort of online zen haven find her at blissinme.com and definitely find her on LinkedIn and Instagram on LinkedIn, she's linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Bronwyn Morgan. And she spells her name like I do, B-R-O-N-W-Y-N. On Instagram, she's at Z-O-Air, X-E-O-Air, like A-I-R. And Twitter, she's at Air Zio, X-E-O. So check her out, stay in touch. And as always, thank you for your time. Shine on, my friend. We need your light. <laughs>